Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screens. But we are starting a new series called Flanograph God. And if you grew up in the church, uh, you step back in time a little bit. We used to use the old flanographs. And in this series, you're never going to know what's going to come up. I think they're going to use an overhead projector next week. You might want to come back. It's going to be awesome. But we're going to take a look back uh, at the Old Testament stories but really, we pray in a different lens, in a fresh lens, because many times we make those characters the main part of the story. And many times, honestly, when we read the Bible, we put ourselves in and we make us the main character. But it really, the main character is God. And it is the story of God and who he is and, and the miracles that are performed and his faithfulness. And so we are going to be looking at all of these characters through the lens of God. And so today, we're going to start with this guy by the name of Abraham. And God came to Abraham at the, the ripe young age of around 75. And he looked at him and he said, here's what I want you to do, Abraham. I want you to go. Uh, I want you to get out of here and I want you to go to a, a new nation, a new place. And he said, I'm going to bless you. There's three promises that he gave to Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation, number one. Can you imagine? This is the first time he's heard the voice of God. And God tells him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go. I want you to leave everything you know. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your friends. I, I want you to leave your little town to be like you guys going, hey, I live in your Belinda. I've lived here all my life. And God's asking you, I want you to go to Guam. You know nobody. You don't even know where Guam is on the map. You don't even know what Guam's about. You don't know what language they speak, but you're going to go because God told you to go. And that was the first promise. He said, here, if you go, I'm going to make you a great nation. He started the children of Israel out of his obedience. And the Jewish people was born because Abraham took a step when he said, I want you to be, go and make a great nation. And he said, I'm going to make you a, a second promise. The second promise is I'm going to make you a great name. He didn't even know what that meant. He didn't understand that, that, that his name was going to go down um, really in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. They say this about Abraham and all the others. This man and his face was a man that the world was not worthy of. Think about that. When they looked back on his life and they chronicled all that he had done, said, this is a man that the, the world's not even worth his name because this dude, he's, he's got it. Think about that for you in your life. That was something said about your faithfulness. God promised him a, a great nation, a great name. And then he said, third, you're going to be a great blessing. A great blessing. And what did he mean? Well, he had no idea. But because of Abraham, because of his son Isaac, because of his son Jacob, if you go to Matthew chapter 1 and the genealogy of Jesus, they are in the line of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he said the great blessing will be that there will be this one that will come, and his name will be Jesus, and he will come to take away the sins of the world. Abraham, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to be faithful. And you have no idea what tomorrow holds. And you have no idea where you're going. And you have no, no idea the ramifications of your yes or your no. But I'm asking, will you trust me? It's interesting. Hebrews 11.8 said it this way. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. I love that line. Even though he did not know. And what Abraham did in trusting these three promises and moving forth and being obedient to God, you're going to find out today, um, he's more like you and me than, than you probably think because every step wasn't an obedient step. 
Every step wasn't one where he trusted God fully. I mean, there was some detours, and we'll talk about that. But because he made a step towards God, what he was saying is, God, you have told me when you showed up and talked to me that you are here today. So I'm going to believe, God, because you are here. <laughs> then you are going to be there. And that is really the question for us in our faith. Do we really believe that the God of the universe who loves you and who loves me, do you not just believe in his promises, but do you believe God? Do you believe God that he says, I am here with you right now, but don't ever forget my promises are true and I will be there. in his hand was poised to kill but God in all his sovereignty had a bigger plan oh and just in time He alone 
just crumbling into dust. You are God, and though we would not have understood you, still there you were. Nearly 217 times in the Old Testament, the names of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are mentioned together. 217, don't think it's a coincidence. Part of the reason was that God was showing us a picture that He is a covenant-making God. That word covenant, it's an all-encompassing agreement between two parties, clearly outlined perimeters and promises. It's a mutual understanding that something binds them together with specific obligations to fulfill. That is really what God was saying to Abraham. He said, I am a covenant-making God. You can count on me, Abraham, that what I've asked you to do, I'm going to provide and I'm going to be with you. So when he said, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you, we, we just naturally, as followers of God, if he tells us to do something, we do it, right? <laughs> well, not really, most of us. Because most of us, I don't know, we're a little bit fearful of taking steps out of our comfort zone. We're a little bit fearful that we're not sure if we really heard God's voice or if that was our voice. We're not really sure of stepping into the unknown because we're just fearful, if we're honest, more than we're faithful. Abraham took the steps, but there's a lot of things he didn't do. It said, go from your family, go from your country, go from everything that you know. But yet he took his father with him. <laughs> he said, here's where I want you to go. He stopped and he encamped a couple times. He hung out for 20, 25 years in a place he wasn't supposed to be. He did a lot of things. And we come to this section in chapter 22, and uh, they had given birth to a son, Isaac, and in their old age at 75, and Sarah's older, and they, they had waited a really long time. They had given birth to Isaac, and, and we're at this section where God again comes, and it says this, verse 1, chapter 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, he said, here I am, he replied. Then God said, I want you to take your son 
your only son whom you love, Isaac. And I want you to go to the region of Moriah. I want you to sacrifice him. There is a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Hey, Abraham, I got a test for you. Uh, We need to understand something, that the test was not to be a producer of faith. The test is to be a revealer of faith. It was to reveal whether Abraham truly trusted in God and God's ways and what he was asking of him. In the midst of this, God was building Abraham into the man he wanted Abraham to be. Yet there's lots of contradictions that I just told you because I think the test came because Abraham had taken some detours. It says, take your one and only son, but if you know the story, they'd had another son. But it was a son um, that came on the impatience of Sarah, who God said to her, listen, in your old age, you're going to conceive a son, and, and, and out of that, there's going to be this blessing, and she was like, that's awesome, and then the waiting game came, and she kept waiting, and she kept waiting, and then she was tired of waiting, and, and so she said to her husband, hey, listen, I want you to hang out with, the, with our slave, and, and I want you to, to have relations with her, because we need a child, and God said we're going to have a child, and, and, and in that moment, uh, that never works out well, I don't know if you know that, but there was conflict that came to the family, <laughs> and this slave girl gets pregnant, and they have a son by the name of Ishmael, and that's another story and another sermon, but Abraham and Sarah weren't faithful to the call of God every single moment, but God comes back and he says, listen, Abraham, I need to test you again. Are you going to trust the promiser that I got this, not just my promise, because my promise, I'm on a different timetable than you, but are you going to trust me in everything? Your only son, Isaac, I want you to take him and I want you to sacrifice him. And he continues on in verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. I don't know uh, if any of you, as you get a little bit older, any of you, I raise your hands, have trouble sleeping at night now that you're a little bit older? Some of you young people still have trouble? I have a little bit more trouble. I wake up a little bit more than I used to. I don't know about you. I walk into my kid's room. I can turn on the light. I, I can walk around. I can shake them. And they just don't wake up. Anybody comes in my room, anytime a door opens, anytime a light's on, man, I wake up. I'm up. Can you, can you just kind of put yourself as a dad? Let's just talk to dads for a moment in, in Abraham's position that night. I, I honestly think it was a little bit cruel for, for God to come to him and ask him in the night, why don't you just tell him in the morning? Because I don't know about you. Hey, Abraham, I want you to take your only son and, 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 and you're going to kill him tomorrow. I don't know about you, but I think it would have been a really restless night as he wrestled with God. Is this really what you're calling me to do, God? Are you kidding me? You told me I was going to be a great nation. I was going to have a great name, and I was going to be a blessing, and now you're asking me to take out my own son, my my only son? But what's the text say? It says, in the morning, there was really no hesitation. He woke up early, and he got loaded up, and he took off, and he went because God told him to go. See, uh, What's standing in the way of your relationship with God today? What's keeping you from taking a step towards Him? Because anything that stands in between you and God, the Scripture tells us, is idolatry. It can actually be your kids. You, you might not think that, but it could actually be that. It could be your job. It could be your success. It could be your career. What, what is keeping you from being obedient to God? And He comes and He asks for the biggest thing He could possibly ask. I want you to give up your only son Remember, this is the test. Are you going to do it? Are you going to trust me? 
God told him about the place, but he didn't tell him where it was. He just told him to go. And the text doesn't tell us how Abraham felt. We can only put our feelings into place. But I don't know about you. God wasn't concerned with Abraham's feelings. Honestly, he was concerned with would he be faithful. And so many times we let our feelings dictate our faithfulness or our lack of faith in God. Because what we feel in the moment and what we walk through in the circumstances, they overwhelm us. And, and that's part of the enemy's plan, that we lose sight of God because we have something in the way that blocks our view from him. And it could be something really, really important. And God was saying, wait, am I the number one in your life? I'm asking you to do something really, really big. Sacrifice your son. And he was looking for full devotion from this guy. So verse 4, it says, on the third day, it's pretty important, we'll come back to that. On the third day, Abraham... He looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, I want you to stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We're, we're going to worship. And then we're going to come back and get you. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself, Isaac carried the, he himself, excuse me, Abraham carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. He didn't actually lie to him, did he? <laughs> but in the moment, he didn't tell him the full truth. Hey, dad, where, where's, the, where's the sacrifice? I, I don't know. As a dad, I, it's pretty hard to go, well, you're it, Isaac. <laughs> so no, man, God's going to provide. We're just going to be obedient. We're going to take the next steps. Mount Moriah, where they were at in that mountain, it's associated with modern-day Jerusalem. And Abraham had to look at his son and say, God's going to provide. I don't even know. I don't even understand. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep taking steps of obedience towards God. Here's what you need to know. Um, you can't develop your faith in Jesus Christ unless you've actually walked into the fire. You can stand and watch it and you can look at it, but until you take a step of obedience, your faith will never get developed unless you begin to move towards God and what he's asking of you. And many times, you have to go into the fire. We don't like that part. And when you go through the fire, Isaiah 41 says, you're not going to be burned, you will not be consumed. When the waters come, they will not overtake you. I am God and I will be with you, but you can't walk through the fire unless you're willing to take that first step. And Abraham says, all right, God, I'm in. And he kept taking the step. Abraham comes to the mountain on the third day. And what does he do on the third day? It says he worshiped. This is the first time that word's used in Scripture. And what it means in the Hebrew in this, in this section means that it was to literally bow down. So he says, here's the first thing we're going to do because I put my trust in God and everything against all hope is in him. I'm going to go and worship and I'm going to bow down, which was an act of submission to say, God, I'm trusting you. I have no idea what you're doing and I have no idea why I have to sacrifice my son, but I'm going to worship you. So you guys just hang on because we got business to do. I don't know if in his mind he was going, God, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm going to continue to be faithful. But if you kill my son or if I kill my son, I am praying that you're going to raise him from the dead. <laughs> I don't know because I, I'm thinking, he goes, you gave me three promises and one of them is going to come from Isaac. And so 
If I kill him, you're going to have to raise him. He hadn't seen that before, hadn't heard about it, didn't know anybody could be raised from the dead, but he was trusting God. He knew anything was possible with God unless he didn't follow through to see God work. See, he couldn't see God do the impossible if he only trusted in what seemed possible. He couldn't see God do the impossible if he didn't trust him with everything that he had and everything that he was asking of him in that moment. And so he moves on. And in verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there, and he arranged the wood on it, and he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Hey, just let me tell you, you will not see God do the impossible in your life if you were only the one choosing what to do. It would be impossible for God to break his promises to you. That's not the character of God. But if you want to see God come through in your life and the promises and what he's asking of you, sometimes you got to step into the unknown and to the things that look impossible for him to ever have a chance to work in and through your life. And he takes his son and it says he binds him up. And the text doesn't tell us if there was any resistance. It just says Isaac willingly laid down. So I'm guessing there wasn't. Isaac submitted to his father as Abraham Submitted to his heavenly father. Verse 10, he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Can you imagine how relieved he was? Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Here's your test. Now I know that you fear God. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, and he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God was looking for a heart of surrender, and Abraham was willing, and God saw him yield his will, and he saved him from committing the act. See, many times to know the will of God and understand if you're in the will of God, you've got to be willing to walk into what God asks you to do. The question is, do you believe he's going to come through? God didn't take away the commitment, but he did provide the sacrifice. And this lamb was hanging out out of the corner of his eye, and he saw it, and there it was. And, and Abraham named the mountain God will provide. Isn't it interesting? He didn't name it. This is the mountain of my obedience. It's the mountain of the greatest test. It's the mountain of some of the greatest internal pain I've ever come across. He named it after Jehovah Jireh. Our God will be the great provider, and God provided the sacrifice in the midst of the storm. If you know anything about Scripture, this is one of the greatest pictures that was ever being painted because it was foreshadowing what was to come for you and for me. Remember, on the third day, Abraham, they had traveled. They were on the third day. They go up to the mountain. On the third day, wasn't it that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Isn't it interesting that Abraham, the father of Isaac, Isaac carried his own wood, put it on his back to go up to the mountain to sacrifice himself. Jesus Christ put a cross on his back and carried it up to the mountain to sacrifice his life for you and for me. God's only son, Jesus, was put on a cross. And Jesus said, I'm willing, but I'm weak. 
And you know what God said? He said, in that moment, I'm going to sacrifice my only son for you and for you and for you and for you and for me, that he would take all the sins of the world and put it on his shoulders. It's an amazing picture of what is to come, that God the Father stepped in for you and he saved your life ultimately for eternity because he gave his son. Both were delivered from death on the third day. Both rose again to live. And Jesus... Christ rose again so that you might rise and live one day as well. In verse 15, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declared the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withhold your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offsprings. All nation on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Wow, what a great story. Out of the obedience of this one man, all the nations will be blessed. Out of this obedience comes the line of Jesus Christ. So many times in life, I don't know about you, but I pay way more attention to what I can see than what God says. I, weigh, I weigh, pay way more attention to, to what I can control and, and my little box and my little world where I'm comfortable and I'm good than I trust God and, and His faithfulness for me when I step out and I'm obedient to Him. And I think it's just our human nature. I want to know what's coming next before I say yes, and then I feel pretty good when it works out. But that's not faith. And these stories that we're going to go through over six weeks in Romans, Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. It says this, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the word of God. I can't see my Bible anymore. That's why I wear glasses. Many of you have the same problem. If I take this off, I could make it out just a little bit. I have no problem now seeing all you people in the back row. I can see your eyes, so wake up back there. I'm really good at following God when I can see everything laid out. And what it comes and says in Scripture tells us is, listen, every Scripture, everything you need, To understand the God you serve is right here. And it says it was written for your encouragement and it was written for you to understand that you have to build up your endurance to live in this life and to continually follow God moment by moment, day by day. And it's not what you see. It's what you hear and what you read. So what does this mean? Abraham heard the voice of God and he responded, God, you are here, so I'm going to trust you're going to be there. Even though I don't know where it is, I've submitted my life to you. And I thought to myself, what if Abraham would have stopped halfway through? Well, he did. (laughs) But he kept going. 
He took a few detours and he screwed up, but he kept going. And God said, I got a test for you. And he said, okay. And he surrendered and he submitted and he continually gave himself over. And Romans 4.18 says this, against all hope, Abraham and hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Against all hope. Maybe that's just a definition of faith for you today. Faith, believing God and his promises against all hope. There was a legend, a story, and it has it that there was a man that was lost in the desert just dying for a drink of water. And as he was in the desert alone, he stumbled upon this shack, which was windowless and roofless and weather-beaten, and it was just sitting in the middle of this desert, and he looked about this place, and he found a little shade from the heat of the desert, and he went in, and he laid down, and as he laid down, he glanced over, and he saw a pump about 15 feet away. And the legend has it that he went over to the pump and he began to look at this old rusty water pump and he went to crank it and nothing came out and he cranked it again and nothing came out. And dejected, he went and just sat in the corner and as he sat there, he looked up and he saw an old jug. And as he was disappointed and he was dying for thirst, he crawled over to the old jug and he wiped away the dirt and he wiped away the dust and there was a little note And he read the message that said this, you have to prime the pump with all the water in this jug, my friend. And then there was a P.S. I don't know if you know this, but P.S. is the greatest in a letter. Don't ever miss it. P.S. Be sure you fill the jug again before you leave. There'll be another traveler like you. The guy grabs the jug and he pops off the cork and sure enough, it was almost full of water. And suddenly he was just faced with a decision. If he drank the water, he could live. But if he poured all the water into that old rusty pump, maybe, just maybe it would yield some fresh, cool water deep down from the well. And he would have all the water he ever wanted to sustain him and all the water he ever needed. He studied the possibilities of both options. What could he do? Could he pour it into the old pump and take a chance on the fresh, cool water or drink what was in the old jug and ignore its message? What would you do? I'd probably play the compromise game. I'd drink about half the jug and pour the other half in. (laughs) Should he waste all the water on the hopes of maybe, just maybe, this rusty old pump was going to deliver? The legend has it that he reluctantly poured all the jug into the pump. And then he grabbed the handle, and and again, he began to crank, and it was like, squeak, squeak, squeak. He did it again, nothing came out, squeak, squeak, and he said, then there was a drop. And then there was a small stream, and then it says, as he cranked again, the, the old well just started to gush. And to his relief, there was fresh, cool drinking water that poured out of this old rusty pump. And he took his jug and he started to drink freely. Then he filled it up again and he drank it all till he was filled to overflowing. Then he stopped and he filled that jug one last time and he put the cork in it for the next traveler that would come after him. And then he wrote a little note and added to the one that was over there and he said this, believe me, it really works. You can trust that what you put in, you will get out more than you could ever imagine. There is more than enough for you. So what does that mean for you today? So much of your story is going to come down to two questions. And the first one is just pretty simple, but it is this. Do you believe God? Do you believe God? Not do you believe in the promises of God, 
Do you believe God? How you answer that has the potential to radically change the outcome of your story. Do I really believe God? See, a lot of people say yes to believing in God, but they do not really say yes to believing in God when their life and their circumstances all turn upside down because that is when they begin to question, is there really even a God? And God comes and says, Abraham, do you believe I am who I say I am? So today, do you believe God? Do you believe it when you don't get the job you thought you deserved? Do you believe it when you don't get in the school you wanted to get into? Do you believe it when maybe sickness has stricken someone you love or maybe even you? Do you believe that God is still working all things for good and for His glory? Do you believe God knows best for your marriage, for your life, for your career? Or do you believe in yourself or the world or what culture keeps telling you over and over? Do you believe your own intuition? See, your actions answer this question way louder than any words you ever say. And when you meet somebody who's fully surrendered to God, um, it impacts your life. Sat with this dude named Francis Friday, and he's become a friend of mine. He has nothing to do with anything we do in India, but he's an Indian that's lived here in Irvine, and he's been a pastor. So he has been a pastor in Irvine for the last nine or ten years. It's great. He's he's full Indian guy, and he is at a full Chinese church in Irvine, California. Go figure. <laughs> and last year, he felt God was calling him to India to go back. He grew up here, was born there, lived here families here, but he felt like God was calling him back to go to, to care for all the pastors that were being persecuted, for the pastors and wives, and uh, to hold retreats and to encourage them and to love them and, and to just share the goodness of God. And he left his secure, well-paying job in Irvine, California with no idea who was going to support him and how he was going to go. I called him a little bit crazy, and so he was sitting with me at lunch, and I said, so will you send me your proposal? He goes, well, I'll write one up for you. I said, how did you raise money? He goes, last year was tough. <laughs> he goes, I'm not really good at this, this fundraising thing or asking for money. I said, well, you better get good at it, man, because you got a long road. And he said, I just, I just, if I'm asking for somebody else, it's good. But I said, he said, I can't ask for me. And I said, Francis, let me start asking for you. I said, because I, I see something in you. And it's Jesus. I said, I don't have a problem asking for money. I love it. So let's go. We're going to make a great team. Because when people dedicate themselves to Jesus Christ and they have no idea how to take a next step, they just know and they've been obedient. And I looked at him and the love of the Lord was all over him. And we sat and talked and I said, I can support that. And I love people that step out in faith and have no idea because they just believe and trust that God's going to take care of them. And a year later, guess what? (laughs) He's been taken care of. Haven't gone without a meal. God's blessed him. God's using people in his life. But I just can't wait to see what God does because he said yes to God. Do you believe God? Second question is this. What are you holding on to that God needs to get a hold of? What are you holding on to that God needs to get a hold of? God let his one and only son go so he could lift you up. So he could raise you up to new life. He let go so one day you would say yes to God. 
So what do you got to let go of? See, God's looking for all of us, every one of us, myself included. It's not what we see, but it's the obedience to step forward when we know that he's calling us somewhere or someplace to do something that seems impossible. I was sitting with a, a group of people in a, a meeting, and most of them didn't know me. Two people did in the circle, and they asked us to ask really these couple of questions. They asked us just to talk about this, and then they said, Tell a story of when God showed up in your life when there seemed like there was no way out. Go around the circle and, and talk about that. And a couple of people that knew me, uh, we had already shared one of my stories in, in another meeting, and they said, well, Matthew's got a bunch of these, but we're not going to use his stories because we need somebody else. And I, I sat back and I thought to myself, I do. And so do you. The guy that just sang on stage, Jody. I, I mean, I, I met him 30 years ago because somehow I got on this bus and was touring in a group, and I was only there five months, yet then he became one of my best friends. Then he was on staff here for three and a half years. You got to hear him sing because I met him on a tour bus, and I wasn't even supposed to be there, and that got me to this church. And then I become the pastor of this church. There's no way I should have been the pastor of this church. I've told you that. I said, no, I'm not becoming the pastor, and they said, go pray more. <laughs> And I said no because I, what I saw was $14 million short on this building. What I saw was I was going to be the guy holding the bag. And I was going to be the one that failed, that this building wouldn't get built and I would get fired anyway. So why in the world would I want to come back to this? And I said no. And you know what God said? Not about you, Matthew. It's about me. And 29 years later, I'm still here. So think about that. You have moments in your life where God showed up when everything was impossible. And he said, Abraham, you make no, this makes no sense, I'm telling you, but you're going to lay your son on an altar. Do you believe me? But I got my best in mind for you. What are you holding on to that God needs to get a hold of? Because if you could let that go and lay it down, God could get lifted up in your life in ways you could never imagine. So this morning, maybe, just maybe, you need to be reminded that your God is good. Maybe, just maybe, you need to be reminded this morning that the God who worked miracles for Abraham and for Moses and for Joshua and for all those Old Testament figures we're going to look at is the same God that is still working today and he wants to do a miracle in and through you. You just got to take the first step. I get lots of emails that people worry I'm going to fall off the stage. <laughs> But if you're not living on the edge sometimes and trusting God with the impossible, you're never going to see the impossible come to life. Next week, my family goes to India and we're going to dedicate the 43rd school that you have built with almost 11,000 children. Why? Because God called us there. It made absolutely no sense. And I'm going to walk into this town in the middle of nowhere with 250 kids. And on behalf of you and my wife and my girls, we're going to dedicate another school. And I'm going to stand in the blazing hot and the heat and the humidity because in 2007, I said, yes, God.
And I have no idea what that meant. You're no different than Abraham. You just got to have faith to believe it. So here's how I want to close today. Some of you need to just know that God's with you tomorrow. You need to hear the promises. Some of you are walking into the unknown. Some of you are walking into surgery this week. Some of you are going to face some things that you don't even know you're going to face yet. And you're going to need to remember that your God is the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he will be faithful. And so I am going to pray God's promises over you this morning. And I'm going to pray that you remember that all things are possible with him. Let's be men and women of faith. Let's step towards him and not away from him. And let's see God do what only God can do. Would you stand with me as we close? I'd ask you just to bow your heads. Today, God, we come into this place, and uh, honestly, all of us, we just admit we need you. And specifically for some this morning, God, they are fearful beyond reason. And there's so much going on in their life, God, they're scared. They can't even have faith because they are so scared to take the next step. So here's what you say to them this morning. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you on fire. Some of you need to hear that God will provide. You don't know what's happening this week. You don't know tomorrow how he's going to provide. But Lord, we're going to believe that you will provide. That the God who promises is the God in whom his promises you can trust and it says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will never be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord. So today, if you need peace, I pray that you understand his compassion is over you, it is for you, and it is on you. If there is someone here today who has never made a decision to choose Jesus Christ as their Savior, that you've been living your life for you and you alone, that you understood today that there is one who came and sacrificed his life for your life and wants to forgive you of your sins. Here's the promise to you that if you confess your sins today, that he is faithful and just and will forgive you of all your sins and he will purify you from all unrighteousness. So today, God, I pray that someone just says, God, forgive me. I need your saving grace. Take away my sin and come into my life and thank you that you promise you will do just that. God, for those of us who are doubters today, well, we just realize that the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. And for those of us who need courage, he commands us, be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Those who know your name, God, trust in you for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. So this morning, God, we pray, wherever we are, whatever situation you're in, that we seek you right now. And we ask that you would make a way where there isn't a way, that God, you would prove to us this week, once again, that you are faithful and that we can trust you. So Father, thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the reminder 
Thank you that it, I pray, builds endurance for the race that you've called each of us to run. And we still have time to run. If Abraham was 75 and he was just getting started, God, we got a lot to do. So I pray you would bless us and encourage us this day. And as we leave this place and as we sing together, that this will be sung unto you as an act of worship, that God, you are faithful throughout all the ages. And we honor you and no one else today. And it is in that powerful name we pray all these things and all of God's people said, amen.